Linda McHenry, host of The Writer's Voice, and my guest today is Bill Curtin. Bill was born in the UK, but has lived in Scotland for many years. And in addition to writing novels, he's written stage and radio plays, short stories, children's books, and how-to books for university scholars. He's also, in addition to being a writer, been a university lecturer, an actor, a director, a TV presenter, and he's been a visiting professor here in the U.S. at the University of Rhode Island. Bill, how are you? I'm fine. That, that's a very impressive introduction. I, I must like be that. Wonderful. Yeah, well, very much, yeah. Yes, Somebody must you. have put it on your website or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the thing, well, it's, it's all obviously writing related, but, um, you know, when you, when you say it like that, it sounds a lot, but it's all the same thing. It, you know, as I say, writing related, and it, you know, if you, if you write, you enjoy writing and you write all sorts of stuff, I think. Well, and that's one of the things I want to talk to you about. We're going to talk about that first, is how you can write all different sorts of things. And for writers to recognize the commonality, so many of us now want to be able to support ourselves with our writing and we can't. But there are things you can do to make that happen. I've done it. You've done it. A lot of people can do it. And then we're going to finish up and we're going to talk about co-writing, how it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility for two people to write together and actually wind up being very successful that way, sometimes even more successful than writing on your own. So yeah. again, stage and radio plays and children's books and how-to books for university students and novels. What are some of the common things that you carry through your process for all of those to help people understand? Yes, you're right. If we take, for example, the university writing, writing for students, uh, and members of staff, for that matter. That is very different from writing with children, for example. Clearly, totally different audiences. But the common thing is the fact that I, or the, whoever the writer is, enjoys doing what he or she is doing. Yeah, it I, I know that sounds simplistic, but that really is the way that I'd say it, that if, if, I, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't be able to do it, frankly. And, and in a way, the writer bit of me takes over, and, and I must stress, unlike you, I think you're terrific things like marketing and promotion and so on. I am hopeless at that, so I really am totally hopeless at that. And so if anybody wanted any advice from me about that, they should stop and go away immediately and ask somebody <laughs> who knows about it, because, you know, I don't. But to go back to the actual writing, things like I, the, the children's stuff that I wrote, mainly was written at about six in the morning down in England uh, when my step-granddaughters would come into our bedroom and nudge, 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 wake up, granddad, we need a story. And let's face it, you're not really compos mentis, but I'm not at six in the morning. And that's, and there was an audience and they needed these stories. And you, I don't know, you switch on something that's your storytelling bit. And, and it works, and you find you're writing, well, you know, in that case, not writing the words down, but saying them, and then remembering them later. And I think your word storytelling is important because I support myself writing insurance textbooks for people who have insurance licenses, and you still have to tell stories. You know, I enjoy insurance, which I know people look at me like I'm, I'm nuts, but I really enjoy it. But in addition to writing the technical stuff, you need to give explanations and examples. So you have to tell stories. So I think that's really important that no matter what kind of writing you do or even talking, you need to tell a story. And part of that, and that, that makes me return to the um, 
the academic stuff, if you like, mm -hmm. telling the stories there, part of the process is not using academic words that long and, and, and so on. In other words, that suit the terminology to the reader, listener, whatever it is. And I think maybe I've not thought of this, but I'm, I'm sure this is true, that one of the things that I do in my commercial writing, for example, what I, I did an awful lot. The you know, Aberdeen is the was the oil capital of Europe, and so there were lots of companies needing all sorts of promotional programs and instruction manuals and that 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 sort of technical stuff. And I'm not remotely technical, but I think that my gift in inverted commas in that area was being able to write these things in language that people understood. Uh, you know, simply and not not oversimplify it and, and and talk down to people by by no means, but avoid. I mean, an awful lot of academics. I'm, I'm sorry if any academics are watching, but an awful lot of them do tend to talk about enormously long word things. And you know, completely unnecessary. They do the same thing in insurance. They use the technical terms or they use the acronyms that the average person doesn't understand. So yeah. you need to. Even though you understand the technical aspects, you need to find the common English words that people use in conversation. Sure, that's right. For them to understand. So I think that I think that translates. So you and I have the same experiences, although we have completely different backgrounds, live in different countries, do different things, but we approach the the writing the same way. Now, now what about mm -hmm. a short story? Okay, so here if you're talking about academic writing, and how about though with short stories in fiction? how can you translate you know what about the people who start out writing academically or in trade or technically and they want to get into fiction rather than the other way around i think the reader or listen yeah let's stick with reader because it's mainly readers i think the reader you've got to have a conversation with the reader whether whether you're instructing them about insurance or oil whatever um or you're telling them a story about these I don't know fairies in a wood or or whatever. You you've got to be talking to them. It, it isn't you creating this magical bubble that somehow they are expected to penetrate. And in each case, academics, students, readers, readers of stories. Um, I I find, for example, that well, I, we're going to talk about co-writing. I know when I, especially when I'm co-writing stories. When what happens is you know with the co-writer, I decide. Or we decide, okay, here's an interesting photograph or painting or whatever, or mm -hmm. combination mm -hmm. of words or some prompt thing. And, and we say, okay, who's going to start? And then we write a four section story. Now, you, I know you've done this sort of stuff, but this mm -hmm. is the way we work. And I think it's, it's terrific because you have no idea whether these people are going to turn out to be mass murderers. Children's nurses, or you know, a, a cleaner or a gardener or whatever, you start moving, and these people, and they're people, that okay, they've come out of your head, but they're they're people, and they start doing things. You think, oh, I didn't think she would do that, but you write it. You tell you tell her story, and her, and she then tells you why, right? You sure. don't figure out why. She tells you why based That's on her experiences, in fact, right? Well, to, to go back to the, the last novel, and I'm afraid it was. 2016 it was published, so it's too long ago. However, that's another story. Um, in that novel, it's, it's called The Likeness, uh, I rewrote the last chapter six times 
because the female who was in the end became the center of, of everything that was happening didn't like the first five <laughs> it's set in 1840 and so when when men and women you know when they got married there are all sorts of things about possessions and goodness knows what um and i knew i wanted them to get married and, you know they had to it was you know, logical they'd been lovers and all sorts of and romantic and all that sort of stuff and they had to get married but getting married in 1840 wasn't straightforward and helen who was the the, the heroine said no but that's, I'm not having that. I don't, I don't, that doesn't suit me at all. And so I had to rewrite it for her. She, and she was in it. I, don't mm -hmm. ask me to explain the process. Well, you, you've been there. You, you know about this. But. I personally don't think it's that confusing. Like you said, we create these people out of our heads. But we're human beings and we understand how we go through life and how we like people and how we feel about things and what we're afraid of and what makes us do things or not do things so if we're writing a story or we're telling a story about another person the person has to have the same kind of makeup that all other people have sure. like you said before logical i don't think there's anything logic about it other than it has to make sense to a human being which is inherently not <laughs> logical so <laughs> that's right yeah, it's not right but that's i think that's the thing i think when you're telling the story and especially if you're writing with the co-writers and it's fine to talk about that herb holman is a fellow that i wrote a mystery novel with death benefits and he has a completely different background than i do he's older than i am he's in another generation he has a background in law enforcement in the military he has a phd um, he's written technical stuff. He's written fiction. He has a forensics background. So obviously he, unlike you, where you guys took turns writing sections or chapters, he and I wrote different characters because yeah. of our backgrounds. Okay. And what's really, what I found really illuminating and a lot of fun is I'll write a scene from the perspective of my female protagonist. And obviously the other characters in it, males and police and the bad guy or whoever, I'll have them say certain things and he'll say to me, Linda, no, that person, that guy would never say that. Or he'll come up with terminology and it's like, okay, what the heck does that mean? You know, he, to him, it's normal. To me, I have no idea. And each of us, I, and I think I can speak for him, each of us gained an insight about the way men and women think and speak. So I think when you co-write, like you said, it just broadens your horizons and your abilities. I'm, in fact, I'm just about to ask you then, and it interests me that you say, that I would say, no, a man wouldn't say that, but I'm surely you, when you're writing it, you're thinking, yes, yes, he would. Yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking as a woman, if I were a guy, I would say this, but I'm not a guy, so <laughs> I don't really know. But I'm questioning you there because, yeah, of course, men and women are different. I mean, there, that's, that's a major truth there. Yeah. But, um, or maybe maybe Herb would say, Tony wouldn't say that. And now that you've got me thinking about it, he probably didn't say a man wouldn't say that. He said the character wouldn't say that. Right. And the character in that profession wouldn't say that. So now that I think about it, okay. I suppose what I was leading to was, was saying uh, men and women are different, of course, but psychologically, you know, put a man or a woman in a particular situation and you know of, of stress or not necessarily stress but a situation in which they have to react in some way 
really do they always act differently sure yeah i think they're going to act differently based on life experiences more than anything else that's my that's my sense but i do think that there may be certain circumstances where yeah. men and women do it could be because of the society they were raised in or whatever and you know this gets back to our writing i can imagine what someone else would do but i'm not them and that's sure. why i think our characters tell us yeah because we imagine what we would do if we were the character. You're surely not saying, oh, but my male characters obviously aren't as good as my female characters in terms of characterization, is it? That's not, no, no. No, but I do think the dialogue, I think dialogue, it is different. I mean, I've, I, I'm an auditory person. I'm primarily auditory. So uh, I learn better and I pay attention mm -hmm. better with my ears than my eyes. And one of the things that I've picked up and I've done research on it is that women tend to speak in longer sentences. They use more words. Okay. In the course of a day, a woman yeah. speaks on average more words than the average man does. And men sometimes speak, well, they, they usually speak with fewer words, but they, they often speak more abruptly. Like one of the things I'm doing in a book I have now is in order to distinguish between the dialogue of characters so you don't have a lot of taglines is this one particular character doesn't speak mm -hmm. in full sentences. He doesn't use words like the or whatever. So instead of saying, are you going to the store? He'll say, you going to the store? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, again, instead of big longs, instead of <laughs> sentences with commas yeah. in them, I just make them separate sentences. And I, I think that in general, there are some men who are like that. They choose mm -hmm. fewer words and they speak differently. And that's a very important point for all writers to do. And it's surprising how many prose writers, short story novelists, that sort of thing, how many of them, when it comes to dialogue, you can hardly tell the difference between the dialogue and the descriptive or whatever the other stuff is around them. And it, it always surprises me. I, I read stuff and think well, a, a bit of dialogue and all you think, no, not that a man wouldn't say that or a woman wouldn't say that, but nobody would say that because we all shrink the words. We say don't, we'd say, we don't say do not and, and, and so on. And, and it, it does surprise me that, I don't know, re relax more with your writing, you know. Well, I think that's the writer's voice. Okay, not that I want to be a pun or anything, but some writers don't have a distinctive yeah. voice. Yeah. Some writers don't, or they're afraid to, or they put so much of themselves in, they're not using their imagination. What would yeah. someone else say if the other person yeah. were a man or a woman or an 80 year old or a five year old, right? I mean, five year olds talk different from the way well, we do. There you go. Uh, yeah, sure, absolutely. And, but also the difference between, let's face it, you and I, you're American, I'm British, but we have a shared audience, not in the specialized, you know, the oil company or the insurance store, but in terms of fiction, the same people are reading our books. Right. And yet, when I did that spell at uh, Rhode Island, which was lovely, I, it was a lovely place. I enjoyed it an awful lot. But Stuart, and I was directing a, a play there uh, with, there was drama students. At the end of a scene, I was talking, you know, oh, we should da 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 da. And I would say things like, so did you get what I'm saying? And they would say things like, well, we rarely do get what you're saying because, you know, whatever terminology I was using or slang, or, and I was trying to be also with, down with the kids or whatever the correct expression is, but I was down with British kids and not the kids over there. And so 
I don't know, what am I saying? Yep, yep. No, you don't have to adapt. I think the richness precisely is in saying, okay, I use that particular word because in Britain that means so-and-so, whereas over here it means something completely different. But you and I, like when we talk and we do blogs and we email, we yeah. tease each other all the time. Okay, same thing with Michael Malone, who is yes. Scottish, who was born in Scotland. Okay, you use sometimes in your regular conversation, you'll use yeah. some of your bigger yeah. words. Okay, because you're educated in those are your words and I'll tease you about it and you laugh. But I think the thing is, aside from the words that you use is the rapport that you build. You just said, I'm using words that kids in the UK use. Well, kids are kids. It doesn't matter if a teenager yeah. is a teenager in Great Britain or here in the United States or in Massachusetts or California. Mm -hmm. And I think if you understand people and you can build yeah. rapport with people and you have sympathy and empathy with them, mm -hmm you understand mm. how to behave with them and you understand why they behave the way they do and 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 all that and i think that's what i think that's what makes the difference well i think and you and i could probably go on for hours and hours and we'll have to do this again okay but our time has come to a close and i want everybody to know that they can find your books on your website at billcurtain.com and you sell them in both the uk and the us they're available all over the place. Is that not right? Absolutely. Thank you very much. That was great. Now, I also noticed that you're doing a few more blog posts these days since you and I chatted the last time. I know there was like a, a span of time where you hadn't. And I noticed that you you posted a blog post and I guess you had your brother do a yes, blog please. post for yes, you recently. Um, so you're, you're, you're going to be blogging I mean, so people can follow your blog now. Let's not talk about my laziness and things like that. That's another thing altogether. But yes, I'm you're sorry. right. I'm getting back to the blog too. Thank you for pointing that out as well. Thank you. Okay. Not that you're lazy. It's just that I think people would love to hear from you. You are so funny. I love the way you say things. And people, I think, would just be tickled to, to follow your blog. Some of the things you talk about in your perspective. So, Bill Carton, thank you so much for joining me here on The Writer's Voice. We'll be talking again sometime soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.